the really good sessions he's got at work. If you can get along, it's fantastic. You'll be fed. Akan's got a real teaching ministry, especially in that area. You should have had one of these as you came in, which is just a bit of an outline of the prayer and fast arrangements. And I'm going to um, try and fill in a bit more detail for us. But you can take those away. It gives you the schedule. Um, just a reminder that Thursday, perhaps it's no coincidence at all with God, is it? We have a very, probably one of the most important elections coming up uh, on Thursday. And this hall will be used as a polling booth, or polling station. Um, so when you come in, either come in through the coffee bar entrance or in this entrance here, but you mustn't come into the main hall. You are prohibited by law. So um, we'll put some skull and crossbones up on that just, to, just to, as a warning, all right? Um, but just be alert. If, if we are going to change rooms, because the church will continue with this business through the week, and um, so you know, quite a few rooms are being used throughout the week, we'll put a, a notice up either end of the entrances just to let you know where we're meeting. But basically, I think this is where we'll be according to that schedule on the bottom of uh, that slip of paper you've been given. Just as a reminder, I was coming back from Cardiff last Tuesday, and um, I got a very strong impression in my spirit that God was calling us to a time of prayer and fasting. Primarily because I was kind of really concerned about the number of really really the health challenges that are facing some people in our family here at the church. David needs a miracle. We believe in miracles. I don't say that as a cliche or just a throwaway statement. I believe in miracles. We've seen some miracles. David needs a miracle. So we're going to continue to pray for him this coming week. And we're going to pray for Diane that she's no strength, peace, and comfort. She knows the Lord. And she's um, been through many things. And this is another part of your journey, Diane. And we're walking with you on it as far as we can. Chris is undergoing some investigations. We need to pray for Chris. Katie, likewise. These are members of our church. We all have some family and friends that are perhaps going through difficult times. Our nation is in a state. It's not healthy. The world isn't healthy. But I want to remind you that our God sits in the throne. And it's to Him that we come. And it's quite incredible that... Jimmy, yeah... We've got a few people away, some with work, some with holiday, um, some doing some charitable runs and stuff. So will you please put the word out? Because I really do believe this fast is a calling from God. It's not something I've made up. It's not something that Chris has made up. I really believe it's from the Lord. The Church of Jesus Christ has two, among others, but two incredible weapons. Prayer and the Word. 
and yet they are the two things that are least used in the Christian walk. And then we wonder sometimes why we have problems. It's full of counsel. It's full of wisdom. It's full of power. It's full of knowledge. It's full of understanding. It tells you from where you've come from and where you're going to go to. It tells you what life is all about. It reveals your life now and it reveals eternal life. It speaks about a king who sits enthroned. It speaks about God, the, peop- the one that people are constantly looking for. Emptiness in their spirit. Emptiness in their soul. Trying to find it to be filled of peace and comfort and encouragement day by day, yet it's still empty. Why? Because they've never met with Jesus. It's to Him that we come in our fast. There's an outcry in my spirit that says this city needs to see something different. And so we're coming for the fast, for prayer for David and for others. And we're going to seek God for miracles, signs and wonders. That this place will not be just an oasis where the spiritual thirsty can come and take some drink. Those that are hungry, trying to feed themselves on something that's not going to feed them, but they know there's something they need to get hold of. And they'll come here and find that this barn is filled with food. But it's more than that. They need to come knowing that there's hope and there's peace, but there's healing in the power of Jesus' name. There's healing for the soul. There's healing for the spirit. But there's healing for emotions. And there's healing for the body. The physical body. We must take hold of these weapons, people. And we come in prayer. And we come believing on the Word. Because it's faith that moves God. It's not your works. It's not your love. It's not your compassion. It's not your mercy. It's not your benevolence. But it is by faith that God is moved. And if you're lacking faith, come to the prayer and fast. And by the end of the week, you'll be full of faith. There's a community call. It's not just for me. It's not just for Chris. It's not for Katie and for Rose and for Geraldine. It's for all of us to be involved as a family that cares for one another that we're going to take up the weapons of warfare and come against these strongholds and these challenges and every demonic thing that wants to work against us. We're going to come in the power and the name of Jesus and He, because He sits enthroned, He will work it out. Whether you see an answer to prayer straight away, whether you see it through the week or for weeks and months, I want to tell you, he'll hear your prayer, he'll respond how he thinks fit, and he will work it out according to his holy purpose and his holy plan and his promises and his his wonderful devotion to his people. He sits enthroned. And we come to this prayer and fast joining with a number of wonderful people throughout history. Moses. Thank God 
I don't believe he's calling us to what we would call a total and absolute fast. That means 40 days and 40 nights without food and without water. You cannot live for such a long time without water unless it's a supernatural calling in God. So I want to dispel that myth straight away. We're not called to a total and absolute fast. If you do that, I'm going to come and see you and we'll see whether you need some psychiatric help unless God has totally intervened. Jesus did a 40-day prayer and fast. We can read that in, um, in Luke chapter 4. But it says at the end of his time, he was hungry, which implies he had drink. Because I think the Scriptures would have said he hungered and thirst, but he was hungry. Well, you're not being called to that fast. You are being called to fast, and I'll explain that as we go through the morning. Let me dispel another myth. This is not about switching off from Coronation Street for half an hour and think you're doing your spiritual bit. It's not about, well, you know, food, I can handle that, no problem. It's not a great sacrifice to me. I think maybe I'll watch, I'll miss a film or something, or I won't go out for, to a particular event. That is not biblical fasting. Biblical fasting, unless you have a medical condition that says otherwise, hear me, you have a medical condition, biblical fasting avoids, uh, uh, entails missing out a meal or two, or restricting food. There's some strange teachings gone on over the years that says, well, you know, it's all right. Sacrifice for me would be, yes, missing a program. This isn't in about sacrifice. It is about self-discipline, and there is a sacrificial element to it, but this fast is about him. It's got nothing to do with you. And you're not coming to pray for your needs. I'm not, I have needs, but I'm not coming to pray for my needs. I'm coming to pray for him, and for her, and for him, and for her. I'm going to come to pray for other people. He knows what my needs are. So why do I have to keep telling him? But we can spend our life on behalf of others. The fast is a chosen fast to the Lord first and foremost. And I'll show you as we go into some scriptures. Are you with me so far? Nehemiah, Ezra, Elijah, David, Daniel. We don't miss out with ladies neither. Hannah in the Old Testament. Yes? Anna in the New Testament. Saul came to know Paul. Joel, Ezekiel, Calvin, Luther, Wesley, Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, David Brainard, T.L. Moody, and oh, so many others engaged in the practice of fear, fasting, and prayer. And because of that, they saw an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They saw an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think revivals come? Right now in Korea, it continues. Because they pray and they fast. They pray and they fast. 
in Africa, in India, in Latin America. They pray and they fast. They pray and they fast. And in the Western world, what do we do? Can't get too spiritual, brother. Can't get too heavenly minded to be of no earthly use. Well, I want to tell you, there's so much in the Western church is so earthly minded, you have no use to heaven. I'm a spiritually born again man. Which means my focus, first and foremost, is the thing of the Spirit. The Spirit helps me with my mind. It helps me with my body. It helps me with my emotions. It helps me to understand what this is all about. My walk primarily is not to walk and to please you, it's to please Him. My walk primarily is a spiritual journey, not with you, but with Him. And it's called us, yes, as a body, to walk together. But my sole reason for living is Him. Now, we need to understand that we are at a critical point in this nation's history. Indeed, if not the world's history. And the Western society and this nation needs to take up the trumpet that's been sounded, which, by the way, in the, in the, in the Scriptures, the trumpet generally has two purposes. One is to sound a warning and the other one is to call an assembly together. There's a trumpet call for this week, to sound a warning and to call the people together. So what is our call? In Joel 1.14, we read these words. We'll start at verse 13. Put on sackcloth, O priests, and mourn. Wail you who minister before the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, for the grain offerings and the drink offerings are withheld from the house. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. The backcloth to Joel's prophesying to Judah, the southern kingdom, was the land was in a great horrible place of destruction. There was famine and there was drought. The locusts, a swarm never seen like it before, had come and stripped away bark from the tree, the pastures, so the sheep couldn't feed. It was a terrible time of judgment and yet there was another awful day to come. And God raised up a man called Joel to prophesy and to speak and to call the nation to repentance. Now, you don't have to don sackcloth and put ashes on your head this week. I'm not primarily, I believe, calling you to a place of fasting because primarily because of the nation. It is, as I said earlier, it's because of doing good in the house of faith. But there will be a spin-off from this. But there is a lesson here for us. And that part of praying and fasting, and part of your preparation for that, is to say, Lord, scan my life. 
is there anything right now in my spirit, in my life, that is sinful, and I need to bring it to you, and I need to ask you forgiveness? In other words, I want to come on Tuesday to the prayer and fast as a pure vessel fit for the Lord's purpose. Is there attitude problems? Is it some besetting sin? Do I need to make it right with somebody? You need to do that. You may mourn. You may weep over your own spiritual state. Or you may weep, as Joel did, over the state of his church in this nation and the world. It's serious stuff. But it is the most blessed time that we can enter into as a church. A most wonderful time. And yet Joel, if you go on through it into chapter 2, is kind of praying and fasting and calling the elders and the people of the land to pray that the Lord might relent, that he might, in a sense, change his mind. And we see that through Scripture. But he moves on, and he sees a time when the church, the church will be birthed. This is what Peter talks about in Acts chapter 2. You know, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And that goes on to speak about a day of judgment. And so you may not be Joel today, but what you are is a prophet to the nation. That's the office of, part of the office of the church in this city, in this nation. To be a prophetic voice into the nations. What a wonderful calling. So that's, that was a scripture that really kind of came to me about calling this prayer and fast. So, if that's the basis for our call, what's our motive? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. We're reading the first 18 verses. The reason I believe the Lord's bringing me to these verses is because there's another myth goes around. So false teaching that actually being New Testament people, we now no need to fast. In the same way, some people would say, well, we don't need to tithe. That's Old Testament. I'm going to knock that one on the head right away now. Verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. 
I tell you, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. Then come to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Notice the when. Verses 2, 5, and 16. To say that we don't fast as we don't give tithes and offerings is to also say, well then, we needn't pray. It's also to say we needn't give to the needy. So this offering, we might as well give it back, Chris. What's the point? You know, this is Old Testament stuff. No, it's not. Jesus, by the implication of saying when, expected his church to pray and to fast, as well as to give to the needy. The whole lesson in all of this is the right motives in the kingdom of praying and fasting, that we don't draw attention to ourselves saying, how great are we? You know, we're doing this for the Lord, and yet we know it's just trying to be ostentatious. It's hypocrisy, because while we might be doing that, we're doing this, which isn't something the Lord wants. So our motives have to be right when we come to pray and to fast. It's not about pride. It's not about showing and drawing attention to ourselves, but it is about humility. It's about hunger. No, there's no pun intended in the fast. It's about hunger in our spirit. It's about hope. It's about faith. You see, I can't do anything about David's situation now and Diane's situation. I can't do anything for Chris. I can't do anything for Katie other than to pray. Because I'm limited as to what I can do. But he is limitless. There are things that are impossible for me to do. But with him, all things are possible. We come in faith. Because I recognize... (laughs) I can't do these things. But he can. That is the first important step in praying and fasting is to recognize it's to him that we come and to no other. Because God, I can't change our nation. I can try and do my bit. I can heal other than by the power of your Holy Spirit. I can't change people's opinions. I can't make them love me. I can't do all these kind of things. But you, who sits enthroned on high, you can do all things. And one of the most blessed scriptures you find is where it says in the word, and at just the right time, he sent 
his son. And as we pray and fast, just at the right time, he will do it. Just at the right time, he will send an answer. Just at the right time, he will bring something into our corporate life together. If you turn to the classic chapter on fasting, Isaiah 58. Just in the first five verses to start with. This again shows us what it's not about. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion unto the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways. As if there were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say? Why have we fasted? And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves? And you have not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on I. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying on a sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Wrong motives, you see. Wrong motives. Hypocrisy reigns. Please don't come to the prayer and fast if you're living two lives. Unless you get it sorted. Don't dare come to the prayer and fast pretending to be one thing and living out the life of another. It's no good. It won't work. Get your life sorted with God this next 48 hours. And he will bless. He will do it. John 1.9 says this, doesn't it? 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. I know the scripture says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us. It's a wonderful verse. So the fast is to the Lord first and not about self. So that's our call, that's our motive. What about our care? 1 Corinthians 12. Praying and fasting on the lines, along the lines I've just been talking about is a wonderful way to show how this community cares for each other. Some years ago, I was involved in teaching, and uh, well, it's with teaching, but trying to carry the message along with the social work. I was in the health service about a new act that was coming to power called Care in the Community. 
and um, it was a very difficult time because most social workers didn't know whether they'd have a job. There was an, yet another reorganization. Uh, there was going to be differences with their health, but a philosophical question came up through that time. Ah, is this care in the community or care by the community? Well, for God's people, it's both. See, the implication with the health and social services was basically, is it just professionals doing this, providing care in the community, or is it community care? Care in this community is not the sole prerogative of the elders. It's not the sole prerogative, prerogative of the deacons. It's everyone's responsibility. And I know to a great degree how much you do care for one another. I know some great things go on. I know that. But we can demonstrate that even further this week by joining together in prayer. I'm not saying you have to come every night, but you need to come to some evenings. It's only for one hour to watch and pray. Put aside things and join in. Come earlier. I haven't made it 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm giving you a lie-in. Come at 8.30. It's not onerous. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 26 and 27, we read this. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I can't go right now, other than in the spirit, with what David and Dan are going through. I can't go through what you're going through, Chris. I can't go what you're going through, Katie. I can't do those things. But by entering into prayer and fasting, I can, in a way, enter into that suffering with you. And hallelujah, when good news comes, we can rejoice in that. You see what I'm saying? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. I'll read verse 1 as well. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And as you love one another, so all men will know you are my disciples. Why? Because you love one another. To be a Christian, we need to work on loving one another. It starts with loving God. And and when I went through a a time of real personal challenge in ministry some years ago. Church can be a very cruel place sometimes. It's the most wonderful of places. But Christians are not always nice to each other. It should never be. And I kind of like made a statement to God and said, God, I'm all right with you, but not with your people. You can't say that really. And I took myself off praying and, and walking on the fells and stuff and everything came into 
clear focus over a few days. And I started to realize you can't say that. Because if I'm not okay with God's people, I'm not okay with God. It can't be. Because a new commandment I give you that you love one another. We're called to work things out together. So if you ever make the statement, well, me and God are fine, but his people, well, then you need to get on your knees before God and start to repent. Because you cannot be okay with God if you're not okay with his people. Does that make sense? So I see in those verses, our care is a community at work, which is a community of care. Our purpose, to receive revelation. We may mourn the state of a nation or God's people. Sometimes we see in the scripture setting people apart for ministry. We won't be doing that this week, as far as I know. It's about, our purpose is about bringing healing and breaking down of demonic strongholds. And of course, this wonderful chapter in Isaiah 58 really outlines it so well, doesn't it? Starting from verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with Delhi. Why? Because you do a fast unto the Lord. And it's done with the right kingdom motives. It's a glorious chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. I wonder how many of you have read it. I'm not asking for a show of hands. But if you haven't, read it. Especially these coming few days. It's a classic chapter and given us our motives and reasons for fasting. I read earlier from Matthew chapter 6 and the implication in one of those, some of those verses was that prayer and fasting is individual. Well, it is, but it's also corporate. We see Nehemiah prayed in, ver- in chapter 1 verse 4 an individual prayer and fast. But later on in chapter 9, he's calling the whole body together. So it's, it's corporate as well. We see in Ezra um, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, I think it is, where he calls the people together, because they're going to confess their sin, but he calls them to pray and to fast. 
And so we can't just say, well, it's individual. No, it's not. There's a corporate kind of thing involved here. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 2, it's a small group that gathers. And they're going to set apart Saul and Barnabas into ministry. But it came after praying and fasting. Paul as an individual in Acts chapter 9, where he had, after his encounter with the Lord on the Damascus Road, for three days and three nights, he went without food or water. He went into a, total, a normal fast. And what happened? His eyesight was restored. And he went on a journey discovering more about the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who he persecuted, and came back a different man. It's a bit like Jesus. He went into the wilderness and came back full of the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you're looking for revelation, if you're concerned about the state of people or the church, if we're looking for healing and breaking down of demonic strongholds, this week is all about that. We can even pray for those in authority as this election comes up as well. So I believe we're calling the fast because of the reasons I gave earlier about the health challenges. But we are not such a people that says, you know, if the Holy Spirit wants to be, well, Lord, you said this, you know, I'm saying this now. Why are you changing my No, that was a reason, it's still a reason, but I want to bring this in now. There are times in Israel's life where they held regular fasts. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. But that's all they became. Rituals. Religious exercises. There's nothing wrong with a regular fast if it's to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with a regular fast if you know it's the Holy Spirit that's leading you into that. We don't do regular fasts as such. We seek to do them when the Lord calls us. And that's why we're doing it this coming week. So let me come to a bit of a wind-up. <laughs> not obviously a wind-up. You've got to watch your words these days, haven't you? As I come to some conclusions, it's on your bit of paper, but a normal fast is without food and without water. With water, sorry. You must drink. You must drink. You can do the full seven days if that's how the Lord's leading you. And providing I emphasize again, you're medically okay to do that. If there's any period of time involved in this with a normal fast. We see from one day with Ezra, three days, with Paul, 40 days with um, the Lord Jesus, with Daniel, three weeks on one occasion, in Daniel chapter 10, I think it is. Then we have this partial fast, where we reduce or leave out foods, or indeed a meal or two each day. 
And if it's possible, and you continue to drink water, by the way, if you're a heavy coffee and a tea drinker, try and wind down a bit now, because you'll have terrible headaches if you just stop. If you still want to drink tea and coffee, go for decaffeinated. But if you can drink water, so much the better. In the natural, it's a great detox, isn't it? You know, the, the, the secular world have clipped onto this years ago. But we're not doing it for health reasons. Well, we are. It's spiritual health. I've found when I've engaged in fasting and prayer, and certainly over three or four days, whatever, you become spiritually more alert and aware. You become more tuned in to what's going on. Your prayers are much sharper. There's something beneficial about praying and fasting. There really is, folks. So, try and, if you're going to miss a meal out, try and give that time, if possible. It's difficult, we've got family, I know that. But try and give that hour or whatever it is over to the Lord in prayer. On top of coming in the evening. That's a bit heavy, isn't it? I'm not asking you to come every evening. But if you're going to give food up, a meal up, and it's within your abilities time-wise to pray, use that time to pray. You could come to the meeting with a word of revelation, JJ, that could transform our evening, couldn't you? You could. You could be the catalyst for something quite amazing. Why? Because you've missed an hour, you've devoted it to God, and you've come prayed up, prepped up, and you're all ready to go. Trust me, folks. It works. You, um, you might decide to do a combination. I don't mean a combination platter that you can get the starters, as they do in some restaurants these days. But you might decide to do a combination of a partial fast and moving into a normal fast. So you might say, right, the first two or three days, I'm going to do a partial fast. I'll just miss out a meal. I'll reduce certain rich foods or whatever like Daniel did. And then you might come to the last couple of days or the last day and think, no, I'm now ready to do a normal fast. I'll miss out all food but drink water. By come, you'll be sharp at the end of seven days. You'll be so sharp, you'll, you'll cut me if I go and eat it. be fantastic. But I just want you to do not what you feel comfortable with, but what you believe you should do. And I can respect that. But I do ask that you come before the Lord and you say, Father, what kind of fast do you want me to do? Give me a sense some understanding of what it is you're calling me to do. And it will give you some kind of reassurance that what you're doing is right. So, in closing, I just want to tell you that it's not so religious ritual or routine, as I said earlier, but it's an inward persuasion that the things we're talking about are right. Faith in the Greek 
New Testament text. One word for it, one word, there are a number of words, but one word is pistis. And that literally means an inward persuasion. An inward persuasion. Because his word has released faith. And it's not by bread alone that we live, but it's by every word of the mouth of God. I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. I want to ask you. Come with the right motives. Come because you care. Come because you want to see God do something wonderful. And don't you put your limits on it. And don't you put your restrictions on it. Don't you put your time scale on anything. You need to come because of that peace, that in-worked persuasion that says, this is right. And I want to take part in this because I believe it's right. And because it's right, God will do something wonderful. And we have a word about miracles, signs and wonders. We have a word about this church being filled with people, being born again by the Spirit of God. And that word said there'll be a trickle to start with. If I look on that back row, I can see the trickle. But one day, there's going to be a mighty river. When I look at Shandos, he's part of the, I don't mean to be disparaging, part of the trickle. It's true. You're trickling in the spirit. (laughs) It's great. But these guys, along with others, it's just the start of a new chapter. This week, we'll be writing another chapter. So, Father, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you, Lord, in your grace. You're calling us to take part in something wonderful that we read of in the Scriptures with these great leaders of Israel and Judah, with these phenomenal prophets of God. As we think back over church history, we see these men and women that have brought incredible dimensions of the Spirit in the place where they lived and worked. Father, we're asking as we come with the right attitude and we come because we care that our fast is one to you first and foremost that you reveal to us Lord if there's anything that's going to be a stumbling block that you help us to remove it I want to pray Father you who knows no limitations can take us beyond ourselves and we start to see with the eye of the spirit we start to hear with the hear of, we start to hear with the ear of the spirit and we start to think the thoughts and the plans of God so we're seeking some revelation lord but most of all we want to see you demonstrate your power in this city and demonstrate it among those of us that are challenged at time on health and many other things it's not out of one sense desperation that we come to you Lord and yet in another it is 
we know there are things that are impossible for us. Oh, Holy Father, maker of heaven and earth, Lord, we pray that in the coming days we'll have a fresh sense of who we are in you, but most importantly, who you are in us. God, I pray for your blessing on your people. And as we take the bread and the wine, Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'll just minister this wonderful Lord's Supper afresh to us. That those men on the Damascus Road had a revelation when Christ broke bread and took the cup in their homes with them. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, that they'll let the bread and the cup pass by, for it is for those who believe. But I pray they'll leave this place knowing Jesus. He is the answer to their needs. Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If I could have the stewards and uh, folks just to minister the bread and the wine to us, that would be great. I know what I said earlier with praying groups, time's flown by, but you've got plenty of opportunities this coming week to pray.